0: Hi, it's Carrie Shear. Purple Orange is growing. We've hired so many great new staff recently, including Ellen Fraser-Barber as a policy and research leader. Ellen featured in our second ever podcast episode, and it's one of my favorite. It's about claiming your right to risk when you live with disability. So I'm gonna bring you that story again today. And if you missed it the first time, or even if you already heard it, it's definitely worth a listen. Enjoy. When Ellen Fraser-Barber was 19, she found herself traveling alone on an overnight train journey to Darjeeling, India. She was way out of her comfort zone. She had not planned to be by herself.
1: I was the first person to get on in my little section. And then one man came, and then the second man came, and then the third man came, and then I felt really nervous about being in a contained space three men I didn't know.
0: She also had this growing fear that she'd have no idea when to get off the train.
1: Yeah, I was always anxious. I didn't know how long I was going to be sitting on the train for. didn't know like, what I would do if I got off on the one station.
0: Ellen is hearing and vision impaired, so she couldn't read the station signs, and she wasn't able to hear the names the train conductor called out. She was also coming down with a nasty cough. She felt miserable, laying on her bunk with her bags under her legs in the middle of the night.
1: It was really dark. I felt the man above me climb down the bunk. And I just laid on my bunk bed pretending to sleep. And then we were going under my legs and I could feel the bags moving.
0: This was exactly the kind of situation everybody had tried to warn her about. You see, Ellen's path to this moment began the year before. When I finished high school, my dad got really sick
1: with terminal illness. There was a lot of mess and chaos and stress and anxiety and sadness. I've gotten myself into such a dark place at home. And I just really needed something that would take me out of that
0: reality that I had. After her dad passed away, she decided India could be that something. But nobody else agreed.
1: Everyone told me not to go, or that I was crazy, or don't risk it. Uh, You're deaf and blind. You can't go on your own.
0: How did you keep it? from getting into your head and thinking, I can't do it.
1: Hmm. I think I was just really convinced in myself that I should do it. It did get to me though, it made me very tense. I was so frustrated with all of the people around me who were really, really new to me with all of the anxiety that they had. And I think I had made a decision that that was their anxiety, it wasn't my anxiety. There was such a build-up of tension leading up to that moment of me getting
0: on the aeroplane. Ellen knew it was going to be challenging, scary, and even dangerous. But she'd done her research, and she decided to take the risk anyway. She'd organized a stay with an Indian family for the first month. She figured this would be a safe way to find her feet.
1: There was Rippy. Rippy said that she was my Indian mother. And then uh Carmen and who was an, a gentleman, a real gentleman, like a grandfather figure. You know, very gentle, quiet man.
0: So her Indian family picked her up from the airport and they all hopped in a taxi together.
1: The first impression was I can't explain it even, there was just like a really different that didn't smell like Australia to me. And you know, the roads just so busy and chaotic and there's lots of honking, people literally hanging out the windows, holding on from the roof, very different.
0: Ellen didn't want to just do the tourist things. She spent the first month volunteering at a school for deaf and blind children. There were lots of volunteers from all over the world, but she was the only one who lived with disability.
1: I pointed to my ear and to my hearing aid, and then I would sign, the same, same as you. Their faces just lit up. They were really happy, and they'd just say, yeah, me too, me too, and then point to their hearing
0: aid. So she settled into her new Indian life. She worked with the kids during the day and socialized with the volunteers in the evening. It really wasn't as scary or as hard as everyone had warned. One weekend, Ellen took a trip with some of the volunteers. They went up to this small farming village high up in the Himalayas. It felt really remote. There was no electricity. It was one of the most remarkable experiences of her entire trip. But in the village, a man told her something that left her feeling deeply unsettled.
1: One of them said to me that it's really important that you're here because you can show people that People who are visibly different, who have a disability, can live a good life, can live a full life. Whereas if I had been born in India, I probably wouldn't have had a life.
0: He went on to tell her that in some parts of India, she might have been drowned at birth, that there are very little resources for people like her, and that a lot of people with disability ended up on the streets. It was horrible to hear. But he wasn't trying to be mean. He was truly happy to see her living a good life, and he wanted others to learn from her. But Ellen was feeling very conflicted by this. She thought about the kids she'd been volunteering with. You can't expect these young children who are
1: living in India to see me as the white restaurant coming in and showing them the way, because I can't do that. I did have a lot of opportunities and a lot of support and a lot of services and a lot of resources that were driven towards my development as a young child. If I had been born in India, I don't think I would have had those resources. But also, I think it is also important for them to see the ideal and what it could be and how those resources could be used in a way that that makes a difference for them too. I don't know. It was a challenging experience.
0: After Ellen left the school, she joined up with a tour group. They were a really fun, eccentric, eclectic group of people from all over the world, and they had a really great time traveling together. But when they arrived in Varanasi, she discovered the group was disbanding. She was the only person that had booked onto the second half of the trip, and she had to make her own way to Darjeeling about a 13-hour train ride away. She had not planned or prepared for this, and she was starting to get sick. She was in this tiny train compartment with three male strangers. No one spoke to her. She was coughing. Her anxiety was building. Then, in the darkness of night, the man in the bunk above crept down the ladder. She pretended to sleep, but then she felt him reach under her legs her
1: bags started to move. I leapt up and was like, what are you doing? He startled and then went back up to the bunk. I was petrified. I just didn't lie down again. I just sat on my bed with my belongings behind me.
0: She sat frozen like that until night turned to day. But when the sun came up, it didn't do too much to minimize her anxiety because now she needed to figure out when she was getting off that train and quick. Then the man across from her suddenly spoke to her. He said he'd heard her coughing all night and wondered if she needed any medicine. She declined this offer, but she thought he seemed genuine.
1: He just seemed to care. So I said, oh, can you tell me when I get to this stop? And I pointed to my itinerary and I showed him where I wanted to get off, and I said, please tell me when I'll get to this stop. And he said, yes, yes, yes. Every time the train stopped, I said, is it this stop? No. Is it this stop? No. Three hours later, is it this stop? Yes, you're getting off here. And he helped me get my bags and put me off the train
0: there. So that was it. She asked for help and figured it out. Everyone who told Ellen that she was crazy to risk travelling on her own when she has limited vision and hearing, they might say she got lucky. And they'd be right, she could have been robbed, or missed her train station, or been taken advantage of, or any number of terrible things. But all those things could happen to anyone traveling alone. And still, lots and lots of people do it. And that's why she gets so frustrated when people are so amazed that she's done it.
1: Yeah, the only thing that I worry about with a story like I went to India on my own is that I worry that it will be considered to be inspirational. Any young person can go to India on their own and people won't really react to it. But because I have a disability, when I go to India on my own,
0: everyone reacts to that story. And the reason that's a problem is because it's directly related to the kind of thinking that too often keeps people who live with disability stuck in the safe zone. Everyone wants to
1: protect you or to remove anything that might be harmful or risky. And that is actually the most unhelpful thing that anyone can ever do because if you don't take risks and if you don't make mistakes, you can't possibly develop any sense of identity. It's about learning our own limits and what we can do rather than what other people think that we should or shouldn't be able to do. And going to India was a big, big message to everyone to just shut up and leave me alone and let me do what I want to do. And I think they got the message loud and clear. (laughs) They really
0: did. That is 100% 100% how this story will end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. I'm Kerry Shear, reporting for JFA Purple Orange. For more information, please contact us on 08-8373-8333 or visit our website at www.purpleorange.org.au.